everybody. Everybody, one and all, welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. Today, we're continuing with our recommendation series, but we've put a little spin on it. As you know from the title, we are going to be recommending books for fans of A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin. I'd also say of A Game of Thrones, the show as well. Um, Yeah, we're just, you know, this is a super well-loved, well-read, reached out from the fantasy world out into the world of popular culture. And I feel like there's just a lot of people that have read at least Game of Thrones or watched the show. And they're like, hey, these were great, but 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 what's next? You know, there's a lot of options in fantasy. And if you liked Game of Thrones particularly and you wanted to read more like it, well, that's the whole point of today's episode. Right. And we're hoping that this will have some stuff in it for, of course, those folks who are just starting to get into more fantasy after being interested in Game of Thrones, Song of Ice Fire, but also for you old hands at fantasy who can hear us compare and contrast a little bit of what things are similar about some of these other series we're recommending. And hopefully we have some deeper cuts that you may not know about that might be good recommendations for y'all too. Absolutely. We're going to be recommending some pretty popular ones along with some um, more deeper cuts as Dylan suggested. And that's just to, you know, diversify for the, for, for the fans, you know, for the fans. Um, speaking of popular recommendations, should we just get into our first, uh, recommendation? Let's do it, Charles. So this is a series that, I mean, both of us had said, like, this is probably the series we would recommend for anyone who's like, I love the Song of Ice and Fire and I want more. And this is one that both of us felt very strongly was a great next step for a lot of reasons. I'll just introduce it and then I'll kick it to Dylan because we are talking First Law by Joe Abercrombie. Right, and if you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know that I I absolutely adore all of Joe Abercrombie's work, and I think that what makes it so great is a lot of the stuff that people latch onto is what made A Song of Ice and Fire, or still makes A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones so great, too, which is there are a lot of morally gray characters. It's not always entirely clear who are the heroes and who are the villains. Mm-hmm. The characters are extremely nuanced with a lot of depth. And there's characters that you can draw some of these pretty clear parallels that you might enjoy. Let's say if you like Tyrion a lot, one of the most beloved characters in all of Game of Thrones, then Glockta, well, he's a different character entirely, also who does a lot of this scheming and politicking in a way that I think fans of Tyrion would appreciate. Absolutely. Yeah, So, and, and there's a lot more there from First Law that I think people from 
coming from a song of ice and fire and game of thrones would would really appreciate well said i definitely feel like for people that like that ensemble cast the book is also written in a similar style where each chapter is a different pov and it jumps from very different um fantastic voices and characters and things like that so people who are used to the format of game of thrones would feel very welcome reading first law so the blade itself is the first book um if you're particularly a fan of Tyrion, is he if he's your like definite favorite then i think first law is also a great choice because there's a lot of characters who like you had mentioned the Tyrion glockter relationship but also just the whole spirit of first law is a bit more Tyrion-esque than any of the other characters you know there is this kind of um cheekiness to it dry humor pragmatic you know it's it um it works in a lot of ways and you know then you have this this sprawling fantasy and a creative world there's elements of magic but it's mostly rooted in reality and it's the relationship between the different characters and the dynamics they fit even within the tropes of fantasy that is what makes first law a particularly strong series so yeah that's definitely i'd say my probably my number one pick but there's lots of good options here that we're going to go through yeah you make some great points there charles it's more of that low fantasy in the sense that magic doesn't play a huge role it's Mm -hmm. got this sort of medieval feeling setting to it though i think it's a little more nondescript of a setting compared to game of thrones song rise and fire Mm -hmm. and yeah i think unless the main things that drew you to game of thrones song rise fire are things like world building and stuff like that or maybe the more supernatural elements like the white walkers and whatnot then i think this is an awesome choice for you absolutely you know any fan of fantasy would enjoy reading these as i'm sure um a lot of our more read fantasy fans would would agree so which brings us into our next pick on the list here another super popular um series in fantasy makes its way on the top 10 best fantasy series of all time on tons of lists out there on the internet and that is malazan book of the fallen by steven erickson charles i found out recently from i think it was from steven on phantology that it's not pronounced malazan which was exactly how i was <laughs> saying it too uh, it might be malazan or something i I might still be saying it wrong but i know it's not <laughs> malazan but Interesting. E- either way um yeah malazan book of the fallen by steven erickson you and i neither of us has completed the series as you've made very clear on the my progress bar on <laughs> our website that i'm like 30 percent of the way through the series um but it's a really long series uh 10 books i believe it's a huge sprawling world with a really intense backdrop of history. There's a ton to sink your teeth into when it comes to the world building of Malazan. It throws you right into a world that's already existed, you can tell, for quite some time. And all the characters just kind of act like like they would act anyway. And they reference things that you will have no idea what they're referencing just yet because they're speaking to other people who know the world really well. So it can be a bit of a learner's curve where (laughs) you start out and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And that's (laughs) normal 
when you're first reading Malazan. Uh, and I think it's a type of thing that if you're you're more of that Game of Thrones fan who's like, oh, I love how there's all these different houses with all this history and all this lore that I can dive into. Well, Malazan, I would say, or I'm just going to say Malazan for now until I <laughs> can figure out how I actually pronounce it, has even more of those kind of things probably than right. A Song of Ice and Fire does. I think that's well said. You know, uh, uh, Steven Erickson, he's an anthropologist by trade, right? I believe so. I believe you're correct. I believe yeah. he's... And that is heavily seen in his writing style and in just the expanse of this world. And George R.R. R. Martin also draws... He draws heavily from history as an influence for his work. They're slightly different, but if you like the idea of drawing the inspiration from whether it's through anthropology or through like medieval history and seeing that influencing a modern work of fantasy, that's a great reason to pick up Malazan. Like Dylan said, it is a bit of a learning curve. I'd be very hesitant to recommend the Malazan series to um, a lot of people. You'd really have to be gung-ho to really sink your teeth into something and really try and puzzle it out. You know, Malazan is... um, not for the casual reader, I would say. So if you read Game of Thrones because everyone was talking about the show several years ago and you wanted to see what it was all about and you read it and you liked it and you wanted to continue to read it, read more books, you know, maybe read a few more like few more series before picking up Malazan. But for those of you out there who are ready to jump into something more intensive and more immersive, Malazan would be a great a great pick. That's well said, Charles. I think the other similarities here would be the morally great characters are certainly present in Malazan as well, mm-hmm. uh, and it's dark and gritty. There's a lot of really messed up stuff that happens, so mm-hmm. it it contrasts with some of, I think, especially how folks who, who haven't <laughs> dove into as much modern or contemporary fantasy uh, have this idea of fantasy as this like high fantasy thing with very clear heroes and villains, that kind of stuff. And, and Malzahn, in the same way that Game of Thrones uh, subverts that, I'd say Malzahn does too. Very well said. So this next series is one I actually have not read. So if you want to just go ahead and introduce it for us, let us know what it's all about. Great. Sure. This is the Akasha trilogy by David Anthony Durham. And it's actually one of the first series that comes to mind for me when it comes to <laughs> recommending it to people who really like A Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones. I rarely see it talked about really anywhere. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that it kind of flew under the radar. I think the author is mostly a historical fiction writer and kind of stepped into fantasy to write this and the reason i'd recommend it is i i think that this author was very heavily inspired by the stark children and there are basically four main characters and there's a character named corin who's basically sansa there's a character named Mena, I think, which is basically Arya. There's a character named Oliver, which is basically Rob, and there's a character named Dariel, who's basically Bran. There's, uh, of course, differences. (laughs) There's no Jon Snow? There's no Jon Snow, really. Ah. (laughs) It wasn't a real... Well, no spoilers for anything. But (laughs) anyway, 
the yeah the it's one of the series I read because it was on that I think like best fantasy books place that we would go to is it bestfantasybooks.com or something like that Charles that's a common one that we go fantasy. to yeah or like yeah best of fantasy or something like that yeah so this was listed on there as one of the things to go for if you really like Game of Thrones and it it felt so similar that to me that you know, I talked about that. Is it a bug? Is it a feature? Well, for me, it was a little bit of a bug because it was starting to feel redundant. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I kind of have read these kind of stories before. But yeah, if you're a huge fan of those Stark children and that idea of these like four noble children characters who all live in the same household as kids, but then stuff ensues where they all have to get separated and they all grow up in very different ways because of the ways they got separated and who they Mm -hmm. were surrounded by that I think is very present throughout A Song of Ice and Fire. That's very present in this series too. And I think it's, it's pretty good. I, I wasn't a huge fan because I, I did feel it was a little bit redundant, but if you're super into that idea I just described of, of watching these mm-hmm. children grow up. I think there's a lot for you here. And it's a trilogy, you know, it's not a 10 book massive <laughs> um, True. march into this expensive fantasy. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So, the next one is another one that I haven't read, but I know your history with it. And I know that you got into the series because you were looking for recommendations for fans of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, so this also came from that bestfantasybooks.com. <laughs> so there was a few books, like, and I was first getting into fantasy. It was because of Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, really. And I was like, okay, what is like this? I basically was looking for an episode just like the one we're recording yeah. now. If only and this pod, this episode had existed for you. I know. <laughs> so I stumbled on this Chathryn Voyage Quartet by Robert B.S. Reddick, and it's it's basically this book series about uh, a bunch of fancy characters on a almost like titanic equivalent <laughs> boat and you deal with some politicking and things like that there's some young main characters that you also get some of that sense of watching them grow up in the ways that i think you get to watch the stark children and some others in the song of ice and fire and yeah, I guess like there's this, there's a whole political thing going on on the boat that I'd say accounts for why this was originally recommended to me uh, on that bestfantasybooks.com. I think that it's, it's a step away from A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, and being more high fantasy and there's a lot of this element of kind of like world exploration and the whole thing feels more magical or mystical. Uh, there's like talking, uh, talking rats and things like that. In <laughs> that is quite mystical. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> but it starts with the red wolf conspiracy and I, and there's like wizards and things like that too, like a little more standard stuff going on in some of those ways, but there's a new twist on it. And I think, Robert V.S. Reddick is a great author and seems like a really nice dude from our interactions. <laughs> yes, I would Twitter, say bonus so. points because we have interacted with him a little bit on, on, on Twitter and he seems like a nice guy. And uh, Yeah. Definitely, it's on the short list of my TBR list, to the Chaffin Voyage Quartet. 
yeah, I mean, I absolutely adore this series. I recommend it so much because I think it's really underrated. <laughs> so I think it's time it gets the attention it deserves, Charles. And, and that starts here for some reason. That starts here for whatever reason. It's because we're fans of the series. And, you right. know, we're, just what we're trying to do, we're trying to recommend books to people. And these are the ones that we've read that we've liked that aren't necessarily getting their due so much, you know. People might yeah. be able to find First Law on Malazan and this next series very quickly in a, in a Google search. Um, which... oh, Charles, can I say one more thing? Yes. About Chathan Voyage? Yes. To this day, probably the ending that has most emotionally affected me of any story. Whoa. I, yeah, man, I got to read this. I don't know what I'm I, I mean, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Very interesting. Man, I'm missing out. All right, uh, let's talk about, speaking of missing out, <laughs> another <laughs> series I haven't read. There's two more series on this list that I haven't read that Dylan has, and I think that's because Dylan had lived this moment of, I read Game of Thrones, what should I read next kind of situation, a little bit more than I have here. So let's just get into it, the ever-popular Stormlight Archives. Yeah, I mean, this is Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Uh I mean, you, if you are tuning in as someone who really has only checked out Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and you're looking for those very base next steps, you, maybe you haven't heard of Brand Sanderson, but just about everyone else will have heard about <laughs> him. I think he's currently sitting at the number one New York Times bestseller, at least last time I checked, wow. for Rhythm of War, which is the fourth book in the Stormlight Archive. Stormlight Archive is his big, most epic of his epic fantasy series of which there are many and (laughs) (laughs) he uh, he does the same kind of thing as a saga of ice and fire in the sense of the rotating point of views who especially at the start are kind of in disparate places and you're not exactly sure how they all connect yet but then they start to weave in a little bit more that kind of feel to it the characters are really great and there's uh, some good depictions of uh, like mental health difficulties and stuff like that in this series it's a really sprawling story with a lot going on when it comes to world building again i think the the difference here is it's a little more high fantasy magic is going to take more of the forefront in the stormlight archive than it will in a song of ice and fire especially early on in a song of ice and fire and i think it's a great I mean, what can I say about the Stormlight Archive? It hasn't been said. And, uh, it's hugely popular for a lot of reasons, and I think good one to check out if you're a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire and you want one of these big, epic fantasy stories. That's another one on my on the short list for, for TBR for me, for sure. It's like I feel like that's perhaps the biggest gap in my reading repertoire right now. It is, yes. is Stormlight, so definitely... You are to Stormlight as I am to, to Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah, but at least Wheel of Time is on our reading schedule for the show, <laughs> and Stormlight right. is not, so it'll be a little bit longer for me, but um, I'm very excited to, to read it. Um, the next one, the last one that I haven't read, and then I'll be back, guys, don't worry, we'll just get through this one together, is... Um, <laughs> A series that, again, we've talked about on the show before. Dylan has pitched it to me, and I was very tempted to pick it at the time. And it's another one that 
on the short list for my TBR. I mean, it's a long short list, but uh, that would be the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison. Yeah, this one is a hugely, I guess, celebrated series when it comes to critical reception. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of things that are different in ways that, I don't know if subvert is the right word, but it definitely changes what we've come to know as how you're supposed to do things in fantasy. And mm-hmm. I think that the pieces I'm latching on to as what makes it similar to A Song of Ice and Fire is that it's, and it's not that similar, if I'm being honest, it's this very brutal world where there are very oppressing power dynamics as there are in A Song of Ice and Fire. And there's setting elements that remind me of Song of Ice and Fire, where basically the the fifth season uh, is the name of the first book in the Broken Earth trilogy series. And it's also the name of a basically like catech, Clismic, if that's a word, event that happens in this world uh, on sort of this semi-structured cyclical nature in the same way that there's those long winters in A Song of Ice and Fire that only come around every once in a while. And there's sort of this apocalyptic feel to it. I think it starts with that epic opening line that I don't have in front of me, but it's like, let's start with the end of the world. Why don't we get out of the way and move on to more interesting things? And I think that element feels present in A Song of Ice and Fire as well with the the White Walkers coming in and you're like, is this world potentially going to end? Right. So and I, would I think say, that's you the know, stuff I latch on to. Although I haven't read the book, there are some things that are really interesting for me, which is why I would recommend it to people even not having read it, just between your endorsement, number one. And two, the author herself is very interesting. In 2016, um, the the novel The Fifth Season, which is part of the quartet, right? The Fifth Season? It's Yeah, it's only three books. Right, so, oh, I don't know why I thought it was a quartet. Trilogy. The Trilogy, The Fifth Season. Won the Hugo Award for Best Novel, and she was the first African-American writer to win the Hugo Award in that category. She also, um, <laughs> she also won the next two. Is what yeah, I'm she won about. the next She's... two, and her alma mater. She got her bachelor's at Tulane University, which is my alma mater as well. So there right. you go, guys. I-, I think if you like Game of Thrones and the idea, oh, she's also worked as a counseling psychologist, yeah. which is another. I, think, uh, uh, I don't think she was a psychologist. If I'm, it correct, says on her Wikipedia, a... she worked as a counseling psychologist. Um, but I, but right. the, <laughs> I believe but, she was a counselor, but I could be wrong. Well, and, I'm just gonna uh, go off what Wikipedia says, and if we're uh, wrong, it's because Wikipedia is wrong. So it is right. what it is. But um, yeah, also won a MacArthur Fellows program. Uh, they called the Genius Grant eh, this year. So she's so, yeah. I mean, if you read Game of Thrones person. and you liked it, and this kind of author sounds interesting to you, which how could it not? I'm I'm very interested. Um, then yeah, pick it up. I don't think you can go wrong with something that just sweeps the Hugo Awards, and you know, it's you, you gotta you, for that reason alone check it out. Uh, for sure, it's an awesome trilogy, and I highly recommend it. It there's some interesting stuff too. 
she oh you're, yeah wikipedia does say a day job that's, that's what i'm telling you i said it like a bunch of times <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm just looking at it now and i think that the there's a few things to watch out for that it might not have like the mainstream appeal of a song of ice and fire like there's second person narration in it and stuff which i mm-hmm. thought was really cool and interesting but i could see how that could turn some people away yeah yeah but to me it sounds interesting but maybe to a more casual reader that it might not but i don't know i've never found myself being picky of point of view for a story but it is a unique one so i don't know for sure all right let's get on to the next series that we are recommending folks this one we have just wrapped up actually uh just a few days ago and that is the poppy war trilogy i mean we've had a lot of things to say about the poppy war trilogy we've dedicated like four episodes to it so if you're super interested in poppy war feel free to go back and and check those out this is the only series so far that we've actually read and discussed on the show that we're recommending right now but um, what I will say is, is let's just compare it directly to A Song of Ice and Fire. And for us, at least for me specifically, this idea of um, the fact that it's, it's a very modern feeling fantasy book in that the characters are very, um, are very um, dynamic and they're well-rounded and they're unique. And this idea also of the situation that they're in, the setting is very brutal. Just as George draws from like medieval European history, R.F. Kuang, the author, is, you know, is an academic in like Chinese history. And she has, you know, definitely drawn inspiration from that as well for her story. The settings feel very, you know, lived in, but there are elements of magic in it. And it's very violent as well. A lot of the deaths are very gratuitous um, and, and, you know, brutal in their description. And the main character, Rin, is amazing. It j- just like, it stands up with any of the amazing characters fleshed out by George in A Song of Ice and Fire. And I would also say that for people who are more casual readers, I think Poppy War is one of the more readable stories that we're suggesting today maybe this and maybe joe abercrombie as well but they have a very modern very easy to digest way of telling the story and um, you couldn't recommend it enough for anyone interested in fantasy that's all so well said charles i do love how contemporary especially the dialogue feels Mm -hmm. yeah in the poppy war trilogy and i think that is a huge thing that makes it really accessible. I think just like George drew from the War of the Roses, uh, you've got a person who, uh, Kwong, is, she's got a master's in contemporary Chinese studies and is currently pursuing a PhD in East Asian languages and literatures at Yale University. Uh, And she draws from a lot of 20th century Asian history, especially China to to tell this really compelling tale Mm -hmm. and that brutality of war stuff charles i think this drives that point home as well as anything right i i I think that there's few books that could come close to the poppy war when it comes to 
showing how awful the consequences of war are. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people liked that about A Song of Ice and Fire, that treated war not in that Tolkien-esque way that's kind of epic and yeah. uh, these <laughs> these heroic things were all happening it's like this is terrible and savage and people are yeah and the source of magic is not these it. like angelic beings it's these indifferent gods that are just you know have their own purposes and don't really think about the consequences they have on humanity so in that it's very interesting and we were you know talking about certain characters you, you know rin the main character of this book she's um, you know, a young, ruthless, you know, warrior. And I think people who are fans of Arya or Daenerys, you know, don't want to get into any kind of spoilers in terms of how the story plays out. But if you're interested in those kinds of characters, really specifically like Arya, Danny, um, Brienne, you know, these like warrior women types, then I, I think Rin would be like a really strong candidate as well. Yeah, especially Arya and Danny, I think because of the that ruthlessness. Yes. That basically they're shaped by their circumstances in a way that has made them relentless in pursuit of their goals. Mm-hmm. And I think we get to understand Rin, who like you said Charles is one of the best I <laughs> one of my favorite fantasy characters that I've ever read. Uh in a way that we also get to understand like Arya and Danny and why they become the people that they become. We, mm-hmm. we understand Rin really well and understand why she becomes the person that she becomes. And uh, all of them are people who pursue some morally gray objectives in a way that we might not agree with, but can definitely understand given where they come from. Sure. And that gray morality, that line of like, are there any good guys here? Are there any like winners here? Like, like the difference between villain and antagonist. Also, that line gets, you know, it's like, is there really any villains here? Is there really just the protagonist and the antagonist? That's kind of what's happening in the Poppy War trilogy. I think there are villains well. in the Poppy War. I think that's pretty fair too, but. I mean, I, I, everyone could be a villain. Just like in Game of Thrones, it's like it depends whose side you're on. There's very few like straight up villainous evil people. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. They all do pretty gnarly stuff to each well, other. <laughs> yeah, I think there's. I don't think there are any clear heroes in the Poppy War, but there are probably a, a couple of clear villains. But and same in Game of Thrones, probably. Right. But anyway, but anyway, I, Poppy I think... War trilogy. Check that one out if you're looking for you know something contemporary, something gray morality, strong characters, yeah, you know, rooted in heavily influenced by history while still being a unique fantasy world. Poppy War trilogy. Go read it. Nailed um, it. Thank you. So that brings us to our last series that was one I thought we needed to bring to the table, and uh, that would be The Broken Empire by Mark Lawrence. And there's only, you know, it's not as strong of a case as some of the other series that we've already talked about on this episode, but I thought this was a good one to throw into the mix one, because Mark Lawrence, you know, big fan of Mark Lawrence, the, <laughs> one of the few, the only author to actually, you know, give us a review, say a great listen, okay? so Not quite a review, Charles, a comment on Twitter. A compliment on Twitter. Yes. I, fair. A, a compliment <laughs> on Twitter. And um, so, you know, but 
I'll tell you why I think Broken Empire would be an interesting choice. First of all, the the first thing is if you like the hardcore violence that is in Broken Empire is up there with Game of Thrones in terms of its intensity and like its shock value and it's like how descriptive it is and how largely a part of the story the violence is. So if you're someone that likes a little, you know, blood and guts in their storytelling, um then this is a great option for you. The the setting it this idea of the setting being kind of ominous, it kind of like, you know, Game of Thrones opens with this white walker and this then that's like part of the setting. And I and I feel like the as you learn more about the setting of a broken empire, there's this interesting element to it that, you know, kind of shadow the whole trilogy. Um I think anyone who's a fan of Arya Stark would enjoy uh, Yorg. I think Yorg is a bit more um, intense, more dichotomous than Arya is in a lot of ways. But if you like that, you know, ruthless, violent type, uh, that this almost like this vengeance arc. Yorg is a is a the main character of this book is um, a good parallel. Um, yeah, he and it's you know it's a short trilogy. It's Really digestible. I'd say if you're a science fiction fan that read Game of Thrones and wanted to dabble in more fantasy, you know, there's lots of science fiction elements in this story that I think you might be more inclined to read. So that's why I threw it in the mix. I think it makes sense, Charles. It's got that medieval type feeling to it. Mm -hmm. And I think readers of Game of Thrones would slip into that feel pretty easily mm-hmm. uh, readers of a song of ice and fire and i think that it's it's a it's just a very interesting more contained story that involves some of these politicking and war yes. elements much to more it. contained when yeah. compared to game of thrones it's very focused on yorg and yorg I think Arya is an interesting comparison there, Charles. It's not one I would have thought of on my own, but I totally see where you're getting at with Mm -hmm. that. Yorg is maybe the most proactive and probably the most Machiavellian character (laughs) that I've read in anything. That's fair. So I think that if you like a character where those notches are turned way up expect that <laughs> likability yeah. <laughs> yeah likability is turned way down to negative 10 uh <laughs> in terms of just if you knew this person would this person be likable no despicable in fact mm-hmm. and you got to be ready if you're reading this series for a lot of that hardcore violence and mm-hmm. brutal stuff that happens pretty early on including like sexual violence and stuff like that so just want to give a heads up before anyone heads into that one for sure but it's stuff you would find in game of thrones and i think that's in part of why it game of thrones became so popular is just the the like violence and that's part of it and so people that are entertained by that um broken empire is a great choice um and then maybe sure so uh yeah, that's all of our series. I'll say some honorable mentions here just because I did scour the internet and there were a couple things that got recommended over and over again that I don't know if we I would put my 
reputation on the line to recommend like although like reputation's definitely on the line here. yeah so although okay the common one is king killer chronicles by patrick rothfuss and we are both fans of that series and we've talked about it very big fans. very big fans we've (laughs) done more episodes on king killer than any other series um so we're huge fans but we don't really see the similarities to Game of Thrones other than they're two of the most popular series in modern fantasy. And that's kind of where <laughs> the similarities end for me. So it's like, hey, if you I like agree. one super popular fantasy series, you might like another super popular fantasy series. But there's no reason why like they're not similar in many ways. They're just yeah, two really know. good stories. Yeah, I don't know what the through line would be there. I do think it's kind of what you're getting at, Charles. If I'm someone just Googling, I liked Game of Thrones. What should I read now? Because I'm thinking maybe I like fantasy. Then if that's all you're going off of, sure. Like try the Kinkiller Chronicle. You'll probably really like it because it's an awesome series. But at the same time, it's not something that I'd think, oh, like Game of Thrones is really your thing. You've got to check out the Kinkiller Chronicle. (laughs) What is what is similar besides they're both very popular fantasy series. Right. And we can bring a lot of parallels with Poppy War or First Law or Broken Empire, but not too many parallels with King Killer. So we do recommend you read King Killer, but if you're someone who wants to kind of keep keep for lack of a better phrase here, chasing that dragon from a song of ice and fire. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh then um maybe start with one of these other ones that we recommended earlier but you cannot go wrong reading king killer so if you're on the fence about it and you just need that push this is your push go let charles push you that's right (laughs) chase that dragon although there's yeah well anyway I know exactly what's going through your head there, Charles. We try to keep this spoiler free, and who knows what people consider a spoiler. Okay, we're going into another thing that comes up on Google a lot. Assassin's Apprentice. Again, another great trilogy, but I don't know if I would see any similarities to Game of Thrones. It definitely is, you know, very tight to one point of view. And it's very much like a, you know, there is court and intrigue and stuff, but the story feels like it's a totally different vibe from something like Game of Thrones. I agree, Charles. I actually think, you know, I I read the first book. This is a Farseer trilogy. I oh, yeah. read the first book, Assassin's Apprentice, when I was pretty fresh into fancy, and I was like... I kept waiting for it to get more violent and brutal and more about war and things like that. Cause I, yeah. I, that's what I thought fantasy was at that time. <laughs> and, and I think I was a little disappointed because of where my expectations were at there. And I think, especially as someone who came into the genre based on asking <laughs> what are recommendations for me, I like a song of ice and fire and being kind of confused by <laughs> <laughs> the Farseer trilogy. Right. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't think this is the next place to start. Maybe if you're a huge Jon Snow fan, because some of that's fair. Some of Fitz's that's origins. Fair. I haven't are, thought about that. Right? But yeah, yeah. He's a bastard. Son Absolutely. Of a, is a king. Whatever. Yeah. I, but 
they're royalty, uh, yeah. for sure. And, you know, Robin Hobb tells a really great story with the Farseer trilogy, and starting with Assassin's Apprentice. Um, and you really get to intimately know this this main character, Fitz. And it's a really interesting experience. But I feel like anyone coming off of Game of Thrones and looking for more of that and picking this up, it might be too much of a tonal shift for them. And, you know, I just wouldn't recommend... I would sooner recommend something with a little more pacing, a little more drama, a little more action. Um, but if someone wanted something more introspective, it doesn't get much better than uh, Farseer Trilogy for me. But you may not right. you may not be in the mood for that if you're a, a Song of Ice and Fire fan. That's the only reason why I wouldn't put yeah, it in my... I'm looking forward to when we do eventually get around to reading that on the podcast, getting back to it with a little bit of a shift in what <laughs> I'm expecting out of it. Right, for sure. And, uh, I mean, that's it, you know. I, I think we've covered the gambit here. Um, is there any other series you want to throw out there before we call it a day? No, I think, think we can said it all charles we said it all i mean you pick any one of these series you're gonna have a good time so um thank you all for listening i'm gonna go ahead and get that outro music queued up here i do think they should uh, i think they would be well served by thinking about some of the stuff we talked through i think like malazan i think even the biggest fans wouldn't say it's like you're gonna have a good time in that first book. Yeah. Like, you're gonna struggle for a while and hopefully you'll get through it to the point where it starts really picking up for you so you know think about what is it about a sunrise fire game thrones i really got you into it exactly and whatever that specific interest you like you know hopefully we highlighted enough of them in our recommendations for you to find us and speaking of finding things, you can find us on social media. Thank you. We are on Twitter at the FDF Podcast with a number one at the end. And we are on Facebook and Instagram with uh, at the FTF Podcast. You can always shoot us an email being like, hey, I saw your recommendations here, so I decided to give this book a try. It was pretty good. And you can send that to the Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor, toss five stars to our podcast, Internet of Plenty. Just go to Apple Podcasts, drop that five-star review. It really means a lot to us. Thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, as always, go forth and conquer, friends.